Welcome back to the Brave Girls Gather B1 Studies podcast. Hi! That's my brave girl, and you're listening to episode six, the teaching for the study content of week five. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our second week of gathering together in homes. I am not sure how you guys are doing, but I will just let you in on a little bit of what's happening here. I would say that we're beginning to feel some of the friction, you know what I'm saying, of living in closed quarters all the time. And we're just getting through it. You know, we're keeping our eyes focused on what is good. I'm doing that for myself. And I'm also trying to do that for my kids on a daily basis. We're looking at new ways of doing things and coming up with new ideas of new things to do in general. And I want you to know that if you can hear the sound of my voice, that I have prayed for you. I have prayed that the King of Peace would rule in your hearts and in your homes. And I've prayed provision, protection, and well health over you. Tonight, I want to begin with a story of one of my older sons. He's 20 years old, and this is a story from when he was entering into his freshman year of high school. You see, ever since he was a little boy, he had played the game of lacrosse, and he could not wait to get to high school where he could play for the varsity lacrosse team. So he tried out his freshman year, and unfortunately, he did not make the team. And so I sat down with him, and I explained to him, you know what, son, sometimes we have these plans, we have these hopes, we have these dreams, and things just don't turn out the way we thought they were going to turn out, but God is here with us in the middle of it. And sometimes he has something better worked out in the middle of the disappointment that we're walking through. And so my son, he was also offered, he didn't just not make the team, he was actually given an offer to play for another team, which was a local club team here in the area. And that turned out to be, that year of lacrosse turned out to be his best year of lacrosse yet. He started every game, he was a top scorer, and he ended up being a regional MVP. And so, you know, I wanted to share this story is we are walking in a time that we didn't plan, that we didn't expect. And it can be so easy to get discouraged and to worry and to have fear. And I just want to remind us that God is here in the middle of it with us. He's walking with us and he wants, maybe it's possible that he wants to show us something in the middle of this. He wants to teach us something. He wants to do something so that we can walk out of this better than we did walking into it. You know, my son, he tried out the next year for the varsity team and he made the team with a resume behind him showing what kind of player he was. And and so we're going to dive in now to Hebrews chapter 7 and chapter 8. That's what our study content was on this week. So if you have a Bible, open it up to chapter 7 of the book of Hebrews. And if you have tonight's handout, get that out as well. We're going to be using that. On your handout, it has Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20. And that's where we're going to begin. We're going to look at the first part of Hebrews chapter 7 and this account in Genesis chapter 14 together. And this is about Melchizedek, Melchizedek meeting Abraham. We talked a little bit about Melchizedek last week. Maybe you remember uh, the Hebrews were kind of having a hard time reconciling how he could be, uh, how Jesus could be their great high priest if he did not come from the tribe 
of Levi. But what we're learning, right, is that Jesus did not come from the Levitical priesthood. He is a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And so we're going to learn more about who this Melchizedek guy is tonight. So let's get started. Here are some things that we learn from this section of scripture about Melchizedek. First of all, verse 1 tells us of Hebrews chapter 7 that he was a priest and he was a king. He was the king of Salem, which by the way was also Jerusalem. And it also says that he was a priest of God most high. It says that in Genesis and it says it in Hebrews. And in both accounts, it indicates that Abraham paid him a tithe. And this is significant. Because the Levites were required, the Hebrew people, the Israelite people were required to pay a tithe to the Levitical priests. And so Abraham lived before the Levite priesthood. You see, he was the forefather of our faith. His story begins in Genesis chapter 12. And in in Genesis, God makes him a promise that a great nation is going to be born through him. And that nation is the nation of Israel. You see, Abraham had a son named Isaac, and Isaac had a son named Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons. And one of Jacob's sons' name was Levi. That's who the Levitical priesthood came out of. But Jesus was not a priest in the line of Levi. He was a priest in the line of Melchizedek, to whom Abraham paid a tithe. And what the text tells us is, is, is that if the seed of Levi was in Abraham, then it's almost like the nation of Israel paid a tithe together with Abraham to Melchizedek. In both accounts, it says that Melchizedek blessed Abraham. If you look at verses 18 and 19 in Hebrews, um, actually, sorry, in Genesis, if you look in Genesis chapter 14 and verses 18 and 19, you can see the blessing that Melchizedek gave Abraham. It says that he blessed Abraham by the God most high who had defeated Abraham's enemies. You see, Abraham was coming out of war and, you know, Abraham may or may not have. I know sometimes we can kind of get in that place where we have done something in God's power that was really great and we kind of forget that God was in it. You know, maybe we fought a war for somebody else in our lives who was important to us. That's what Abraham was doing. And we forget that it was God was the one who fought the battle and won the war. In verse 3, it says, we're back in Hebrews now, chapter 7, verse 3. It says that there was no record of his father or his mother or any ancestors. Now, this is significant as well. If you have read through parts of the Old Testament, you know that there are some long lists of ancestral lines. You see, during that time, it was important who you came from. And the Bible, the, the writers of the Bible were very careful to document who came from who. It's how we know that Jesus did not come from the tribe of Levi. We know that he came from the line of Judah because his ancestry was recorded. And so uh, if we look in at verse 14 in chapter 7, it says that Jesus came from the line of Judah, whose members had never served at the altar as priests. And in verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 7, it says, Jesus became a priest not by meeting the physical requirements of the law. I love this part. Check it out. It says, but by the power of life, which cannot be destroyed. That is the priest we serve, the one that was instituted by the power of life, which cannot be 
destroyed. Also in verse 3, it says he had no beginning. Melchizedek had no beginning and he had no end. And so Jesus, because he lives forever and he's from a priesthood that lasts forever, he is able to, in verse 25, it says, he is able to save us once and for all. And in other versions, it says that he's able to save us to the uttermost. Doesn't matter where we are, where we've been, where we're going, what mess we're in. Jesus can save us to the uttermost and he lives forever to intercede with God on our behalf. If you're wondering what Jesus is doing up in heaven, he's interceding with God on our behalf. And when you add all these things up, It's not hard to agree with the end of verse 3 in Hebrews 7, where it says, Melchizedek resembles the Son of God. And when we consider that, if you jump into the Genesis passage that's there on your handout, it says that Melchizedek brought with him, when he met with Abraham, he brought with him bread and wine. And we know another holy meal that contains bread and wine. We take it. It's called communion. So it's almost like God is placing a passage there right in Genesis of this encounter between Abraham and this priest who has no ancestral line, no beginning, no end, who's a priest of God. And he has communion with Abraham. And I believe what that's demonstrating to us is that God covered it all. You see, the cross Jesus' body, which was the bread, that the bread represented his body that was broken, and the wine, which represented his blood, covered all the way back to the beginning of the nation of Israel. When Abraham, who had the seed of the tribe of Israel in him, took communion with Melchizedek. And it's like that communion carried us all the way to the cross where the communion would be lived out in physical form, and we would receive all that that communion had to offer. So why does this story of Melchizedek matter so much to us? Well, I believe something that we're supposed to get from this story is the consideration of how the Hebrews were struggling to receive Christ as their high priest because they were stuck in these old ideas and these old ways of doing things. You see, they thought they had everything figured out. They were confining God. They were limiting God by the way that they were seeing God. It's almost like their religion had become an idol. They were more committed to these ideas and these things that they were supposed to do than they were to God and receiving from him this good and wonderful gift that he wanted to give him. And I wonder in our lives where we might be like that, where we might have God confined, where we believe that he works in a certain way. And so if he's not working in that way, then he's not working. And if he's not doing what we believe that he should be doing, he's not doing anything. And that's where we have to be careful. You know, when we started this study, we started with two guardrails. I don't know if you remember them, but if you do, just shout it out right there in your living room or your bedroom or wherever you are. um, And let me know so that I can just really celebrate that you remember that. Uh, But it's be open. Be open. We're going to talk about the second one in a minute. So don't worry if you shouted out the other one. Um, It's be open. We're supposed to be open to whatever God wants to do and whatever God wants to say. And so this story is a warning to us that when we don't do that, we could miss out on the good gifts that God wants to give us. 
So let's move to verse 18 in Hebrews chapter 7. It says, The old requirement about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law never made anything perfect. But now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. You see, the old system of the Israelite people, the system that they, would un- that they were under, could never make them clean. So our second fill in the blank, and you know what I'm realizing is I didn't give you the first fill in the blank. The first fill in the blank, number one, is God's ways are higher. So if you want to go back and fill that in and now jump in to the second point, which is Jesus makes us clean. He makes us clean. He does what the old priesthood couldn't do. He does what the old system was unable to accomplish. You know, day one in this week's study content, the writer of this week of the study, she really gets in our business. Uh, She begins talking about the religious leaders of the day, and she draws us to a scripture in Matthew. If If you did the study content this week, you'll remember in Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 through 28, Jesus offers a woe to the religious leaders of the day. He tells them that they are focusing on the outside, but what he's interested in doing is cleaning the inside. You see, the old system with its physical requirements made the outside, and I brought a little dish here. In in this passage, it says a cup, and and in some other uh, of the texts, it says a dish. Uh, So I brought a dish because I thought it would be easier for you to see. Uh, But the, the old system was really good at cleaning the outside of the dish and making it look really nice and really pretty. Uh, But the problem is, is that this was based on their works. Their works could make the outside of the bowl look really nice. And so when we focus on what we're doing instead of our love for who we are doing it for, it allows pride to to start creeping in. And that's what was happening with the Hebrew people and particularly with the religious leaders of the day. Pride was getting in. You know, when we, when we focus on our works, when we focus on what we can accomplish, we forget who we are and we forget who God is. And who we are is sinners saved only by His grace. Christ is the only one who is holy and blameless. And in verse 26 of Hebrews 7, it says, He is the only one unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners. He's been set apart and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. A continual recognition of who Christ is and who we aren't brings us back to the humble position needed to receive his power in time of need because it reminds us that we need him. If we think that we can do it on our own, we leave God over to the side. We clean the outside of the bowl and we make it look really nice, but we don't clean the inside and we don't allow the power that, that we have available to us in him to be used and displayed through us. You see, God spent 2000 years trying to show us that works don't work. Now, no matter how much we do, if we don't recognize the set apartness of Christ, we remain stained by our sin. And this is the gift of what Jesus offers us. He offers us the gift of cleaning the inside of our bowls, our cups, us. In the end of chapter 8, it says, 
when he cleans us out, he forgives us of our sin, never again to remember them. This is the gift of what we get in Jesus. We get our souls cleaned out, no longer to be remembered by him. In what way are you, am I, maybe a little bit like the religious leaders of that day? Where are we putting out our best clean selves? Where are we possibly sitting around the table and putting our best foot forward and presenting the best version of ourselves when really inside we're falling apart in desperate need of Jesus to come in and save us? That brings me to guardrail number two, which was, we talked about in the beginning of this study, be honest. We have to be honest with ourselves and with others Why? Because when we are honest, we bring our struggle, our sin out of the dark where we're hiding it and we bring it into the light. And Jesus is the light. So we bring it into the light and we allow his light to shine on it. His light comes in and it reveals everything that needs to be revealed in it. And he gives us the power to clean it up and clean it out. So this dish here, if you could see on the inside of it, you would see that it's a mess. And so Jesus comes in when we're honest and he starts cleaning out the stain of sin. He makes the bowl clean and he gives us peace. It says in the beginning of chapter seven that Melchizedek was the king of righteousness and his name meant king of righteousness and his name also meant king of peace. And so righteousness is right standing. And confession, bringing our truth before God, cleans us up. It's righteousness. And righteousness leads to peace. And I believe that's why we see the order that we see of Melchizedek's name. The king of righteousness and the king of peace. Righteousness brings us peace. And we kind of talked about that a couple of weeks ago as well. So when we confess our sin, when we're honest, when we sit around and we speak our truth, when we take the mask off, when we get honest about what we're feeling and how we're struggling, we get freedom. You know, Jesus comes in and he, he cleans us up 100%. He gets everything out. It's not like Lysol. It's a 99.9%. No, Jesus is not like Lysol. He cleans it 100%. You know, everybody right now, they're actually out looking for the Lysol and the Clorox. But what they really need to be looking for is Jesus. Because the inside has something that needs to be dealt with and worked out more than the outside. The germs on the inside are worse for the body than the germs on the outside. This is another way that we rule over sin. By confessing our sin, we gain the power of Christ in us to help us step up over our sin. So let's be honest with one another. Let's be honest about the places that we're struggling and we're hurting. All right, let's jump back into chapter eight, starting at verse six. It says, but now Jesus, our high priest has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, he said, 
This is another way that we rule over sin. When we confess our sin, we have the power to step up over it. So let's practice confession. Let's be honest with one another. When we get together in these conversation times, let's take off the mask and talk for real so we can experience the light of Christ and the freedom that God wants to give us. Now let's jump back in to our, to our scripture into chapter 8, starting at verse 6. It says, But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, he said, and then we go into this section of scripture that actually comes out of the book of Jeremiah that was written about 500 years prior to it being quoted here. It says, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. We're going to read this because it's super important. And I really want us to grasp uh, this next part. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach relatives saying, you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. And I will forgive their wickedness. And here it is again. And I will never again remember their sins. So you might be wondering like, well, why are we here, Mandy? Why are you here teaching us this if we don't need a teacher? Well, last week I mentioned the story of Martin Luther, and he was the one who nailed the 95 Theses to the door of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, One of his largest arguments that he made was that men and women of the day were priests. They actually had a saying that said every, that they would say during that time, every man is a priest. You see, prior to the 95 Theses, if you wanted to know about God, you had to go to the priest of the church. Uh, Bibles were scarce. The printing press had come out shortly, not too long before Martin Luther, but it's not like Bibles were today. Uh, So if you, and and they were written in their original language. And so it was really difficult to um, grasp all that the scriptures were saying, especially on your own. So you had to trust that a priest was going to tell you what it meant. Well, when Martin Luther began studying the scriptures on his own, he began to see what we know today, that we are the priesthood. And so what that means is that we get to understand, as it says in this section of scripture, that God's word is written on our hearts. It's written in our minds. And so the power of the word in our lives today is as we we pull it out and we read it and we spend time in it, the word starts to bear witness with what God has written in our hearts. And we also have received the Holy Spirit through Jesus when he went and he sat down next to God, when he was resurrected and he sat down in the place of authority and power, his spirit was poured out and we received his spirit and his spirit gives us the ability to understand what we are reading. And that's what Martin Luther wanted the people to know. They could read the word. And because the printing press had been created around this time, Bibles started to be printed more often and they actually started to be translated into the languages of the people. And so it makes me think about our access to the word today. I mean, we can get the Bible anywhere, right? We we can get it in all different types of versions. And so what what does God want for us? That The fact that he's given us so much access to his word. What does he want to show us through his word? Something that Martin Luther really wanted the people to understand 
understand is you get to go directly to God now. You get to know him personally. And that is your third and final fill in the blank. We get to know God personally. His spirit is all around us, revealing to us who he is and where he is. I was talking with some friends recently, and one of them shared that they believe that God is moving through this present time so personally. In the middle of all this, he is here. He's not absent. And he's with each person in a personal way. In some ways, he's meeting us with his mercy. And we see it and we know it. He's meeting us with provision and we see it and we know it. And then in other ways, we're met with suffering, the allowance of suffering. And I believe a lot of it, you know, we had another friend who was struggling in a certain way. And then it was like she got a custom made challenge in that place that she was struggling in. And as she shared about that, I could say that I'm experiencing some of the same thing. And so these, there are also these areas where we're experiencing the struggle. And I believe that those are places where God wants to refine us. It's almost like a big light is shining down and it's revealing all the cracks in the surface and in the foundation. And God is wanting to use this time to fill the cracks, to clean us out, to make us better. May not a one of us come out of this time unchanged. May we gather everything that God wants to give us in the middle of all this, and may we carry it out of this season with us. And I know that that some of you are struggling. It's hard. It's hard to trust. It's hard to be around your family all the time. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you're not going to school. Maybe you're worried about how you're going to go back to school. Maybe you're worried about your family. Maybe one of your family members works in the healthcare field or is out out still working and you're nervous for them. Or, Or maybe there's even bigger things going on in your life and in your heart and around you right now. I want you to know that God is so near right now. He is so close to his people in this time. He hasn't abandoned us. He's right here. He's working things together for good. He's doing more than all we can think, ask, or imagine I recently listened to a podcast that a friend had sent to me. It was the message from Passion Church from Pastor Louis Giglio. And he talked about the two ships on each side of our country right now. They're naval hospitals. One of them is in the port in L.A. And its name is Mercy. And another is in the port in New York. And its name is Comfort. And he used it to describe a visual, a visual representation of God right now. He's got us covered from coast to to coast. He's coming in on both sides. He's got you covered from one side to the other. He's coming in on both sides with mercy and comfort. If we will just have the eyes to see it and receive it. And in the middle of this time, let's keep our bowls clean. Let's keep our hearts clean. Let's confess our sin to one another. Let's be open and honest when we are struggling. We don't have to say, you know what? I got it all together. I got this. It's good. I'm good. Someone asks us, how are we doing? I'm good. And really inside we're like, I'm a mess. I'm not okay. And let us allow the light of Christ to shine in so that we can experience his peace. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much, Lord, that your comfort in your mercy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed the message, feel free to subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button, or you can share it with your friends by copying the link for this week's episode. 
We invite you and your friends to join us back here next week for episode seven.